Hi, you're listening to Prize Fighting Kangaroo. We're a podcast hosted by Yab Yum Music and Arts and Seven Streams Media, talking about cinema and culture. I'm Amy. And I'm Ashley. And on today's episode, uh, what we want to talk about is music in movies. Now, for Amy and I, uh, part of our quote-unquote day job is that we are music journalists. We do a lot of freelance music writing. So, in addition to cinema, music is like one of our great passions. We love music. I also play music uh, as well in a couple of bands, so it's a huge part of my life. I don't actually know if you play anything, Ashley, but you uh, <laughs> no. are, yeah, no, have no. an encyclopedic uh, <laughs> knowledge of music and a fantastic writer, so... Uh, I didn't mean that you have to play anything, but I just realized I wasn't sure. I owned the bass for a while. Um, I, I did one rehearsal in the high school for, from friends. We did a uh, we tried to do a Christian death cover, a spiritual cramp, and it was really terrible. <laughs> that was like the only rehearsal we did. Right? Well, you tried it, you know. <laughs> um, the, the only instrument I play is uh, my is I do karaoke sometimes. Oh, there we go. Which I love. Yeah. Like I I am terrible at it. Like I basically. I'm pretty tone deaf, but I just love wailing Billy Idol. Oh, so is that that's your go-to oh. karaoke? Eighty <laughs> stuff is my go-to, but Billy Idol, like Eyes Without a Face, White Wedding, like oh I'll yeah, crush those. Yeah, those yeah. are pretty good. Money, money, maybe a little bit. A little You're mo- feeling good? Yeah, yeah, a little money, money. <laughs> that that voice in the background is our producer Devin. That's me. Hi, Devin. Yeah. Hey, right. he's uh, the third Musketeer. Yeah, our George Martin. <laughs> 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 so we're not going to actually talk about uh, soundtracks, but we are, we will on a future episode like really get into some of the movie soundtracks that we love, and maybe that'll even take more than one episode because there's some great ones. But we're going to talk about uh, fictional films about music. So um, I think we're probably ready to get going on that. Speaking of music, our theme song uh, is called "I Found a Knife" that you were listening to uh, by Western Band, the Wilt Family. Well, I figured there's no p- better place to start than right at the top. So I thought let's start by talking about kind of like what what are each of our favorite films that deal with music in a fictional context. All right, go for it. All right, uh, my favorite is Twenty Four Hour Party People. Oh yeah, Twenty Four Hour Party People. I didn't think of that on when I was making my list. Uh, I don't know why, but it's outstanding, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I first saw it when it came out in theaters. Um, and for those of you who don't know, 24 Hour Party People is about the, the factory records music label in England, which, you know, it released Joy Division, Joy Division, New Order, Happy Mondays, like a wealth of really great post-punk, dancey albums. And the film, it follows the Tony Wilson, who was like was originally like an English TV music person, uh, TV personality, and he became the record label head, and kind of just follows his life running factory, dealing with people like Ian Curtis and Happy Mondays, played by the awesome Steve Coogan, who really it, it's Coogan's an amazing actor, but I, I still think Wilson's like his defining role because he, yeah, he's a narcissist, he's a cokehead, he's kind of a scumbag, but also he's likable. Like, you root for him, even though you know his Wilson's not a great guy? Well, let's face it. We've all had that person, or possibly been that person, uh, in our lives. So, we all know what that kind of person is like. Yeah, there's some there's some sincerity in there that makes you want to keep them around. You know, they, they do have that uh, drive towards the music and that musical lifestyle, even though they, are, they can be sleazy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, there's one scene that really resonates with me. Is it's very early on. It's when Wilson, McCougan as Wilson goes to see the Sex Pistols in Manchester. And, you know, for you know, for your music history buffs, I mean, the Manchester gig's a huge deal because that's where, you know, uh, Marky Smith from The Fall, rest in peace, uh, the Buzzcocks, guys from Star Joy Division, pretty much like half of the great English bands got their start by going to that gig, seeing the Pistols at Manchester going, holy shit, what is this? And that spurred them to start their own groups. Right. And that's kind of like the inciting incident of the whole movie was Coogan going to that Sex Pistols gig. And from there, that's kind of how the whole factory thing started to come together. Right. And it's kind of interesting to think about those things because, you know, it's uh, it always comes uh, out later, like what, what bands filtered through, uh, you know, and had the most success and, you know, end up being the... Most important, even if they were or weren't the first one to kick things off, but kind of let you go back into that history uh, and and really get a picture about how it all shook down. And it's interesting to see 
uh, later how that all played out for all those bands. Oh, totally. Uh, I also think uh, Sean Harris played uh, Ian Curtis, and he was a really exceptional Ian Curtis. I think that that's a lot of uh, something that people don't want to admit a person that they're trying to emulate. Uh, it's almost like <laughs> it's a little bit sinful to try to say it. No one ever outwardly says, you know, we're trying to sound like Joy Division, but they'll take the compliment, of course, when they do. Um, and, and in a role, I thought he did a really great job. Yeah. Oh, he was awesome. I think one of the things that the film also does really well, too, is that you get like these small little doses of the other, of, of seeing these great iconic bands. But they don't. You don't see so much that ruins their mystique. Like with Joy Division, like you get scenes of them like in the studio, Martin Hannett, where like he get makes them like build the drum kit on the rooftop, or you see like Ian Curtis's like epileptic dancing, or like the Happy Mondays poisoning a bunch of pigeons. Right. You get all these little interesting little bits about them, but you never spend enough time with any one band where you feel like they overwhelm the movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's really good. I haven't watched it for quite a quite a while, but now I would like to go back and see it again. So what about you, Amy? Like, what what would your like number one be? Well, I don't know if I could pick a number one offhand. I mean, I was thinking about things like Tommy or, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I know it's kind of tried to say, but when I was th- thinking about all these, I I went back and uh, was thinking a lot about the wall. Uh, you know, and everyone's kind of like, oh, the wall, because it became such like a acidy yeah. cult classic or whatever. But it's pretty terrific. Like when I started thinking about it, if you just strip away, uh, you know, the visuals, which are incredible, but it sort of seems to be have become more known as like almost like a rite of passage movie for people yeah. who are going to take, you know, have their first acid experience or something you know it's like okay you gotta watch that wall and then once you made it through that and you had your you know weird freak outs or whatever uh you can go on to do your next acid adventure uh but just i love things about psychological breakdowns in humans and how people respond to like just their life and then you're placed in a situation where i'm really obsessed with fame yeah and what it does to people and eventually some point in time that's something that i I want to write a book about. So uh, I think it's a really interesting look at just, you know, it it takes a human breakdown and then lets it play out through the visuals of the movie, let it all play out. So whether you're seeing, whether you're seeing him, you know, breaking down or you're seeing it in a cartoon form. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think sometimes it's easy to just kind of overlook or forget about as a movie because it has just become like that freaky classic. Well, I think maybe part of it too is because I think maybe in some ways Pink Floyd's becoming underrated at this point. You think like, so? I think so. Like, there's such a big head group that every like, they're almost cliche now. We're to the point where it's like, how often do people go back to their records now? I mean, people will give lip service to like Piper at the Gates of Dawn. Like, it's such a hipster thing to be like, oh, the Sid Barrett years are better. Oh, right. But they made a lot, a lot of great music aside from that. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of it gets undervalued now because it's just so well known and prevalent. Yeah, like past the wall or past the Sid Barrett yeah. uh, the wall the record that is uh, are people digging into that catalog I don't know I don't know yeah so that's kind of that I was thinking like if you strip away uh, everything that's attached to it you know uh, and just look at it as a musical film I think it's pretty outstanding <laughs> I don't know if it's my favorite I'm not going to say that but just to, to pull it out of a list and of course yeah, an assen- uh, essential, you know, one of those you have to watch type thing. Did you see it, Devin? Uh, I haven't seen the whole thing. Okay. You know, I have to go back. I watched a little bit of, of it as a teenager, but... Were you under uh, the influence of it? I was under the influence, so <laughs> I don't quite remember it. So. That always helps. Yeah, I, I think I, I remember more of like Eleanor Rigby and like the oh, Beatles yeah. ones, you know. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of like head movies... Uh, I think another film that I saw a few years ago that really kind of blew my mind and impressed me was uh, The Monkey's Head. Oh, yeah. I mean, have you guys seen that? <laughs> yep. No, no. Oh, okay. So The Monkey's made a movie toward, like, the, towards the end of their like uh, their big brush of fame, the yeah. TV show. They hooked up with Jack Nicholson in the film studio he was involved He wrote with. it, right? Yeah, he wrote yeah. it. Really? Wow. Which I think a lot of people don't know. Yeah. And yeah. It, it is just this <laughs> incredibly deranged like it, 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 it's it, like the first time I watched it, my jaw was on the floor for most of the movie because you're like, how the fuck did this movie get made? Like I don't know, it's a crazy time, but it, it, it would be like the equivalent of like, um, let me think. Imagine One Direction a few years ago, like at the height of their fame. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Like 
hired Jurodowski to make a movie for them. That's basically the equivalent of that. Yeah, those are three things that you never think are going to come together. That's like a, a you know, a holy trinity that is unholy trinity. Yeah. Jodorowsky, the monkeys, and what was the other one? Jack, Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. Yeah. So was he like a huge fan or of the monkeys or why did he? I, I don't know. I think maybe he knew one of them. Maybe. Oh, okay. Uh, if, if it, I mean. Astrogenics at the time was like was well, kind of like a social butterfly. Like he just knew a shit ton of people. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, but there's like these scenes where like they're, they're like there's like a giant vacuum sucking up like as lice off of somebody's head, <laughs> and it's just like they jump off a bridge and commit suicide. There's some war scenarios in there where they like splice in some war, uh, war footage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think there's like a Coke machine in the desert at one point that they attack. Like, like it's one of those like like it, the, the plot's not very coherent. It's just like a ton of really weird instances that just keep piling on. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, it's interesting because I don't know how representative it is of the monkeys themselves. Like it it almost feels like them kind of torching their career. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I guess they had that. There's a wacky vibe to the monkeys. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that made it push it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like it's like the monkeys TV shows. Like when you get high, and it's like the good high. We were like, <laughs> I farted. Let's eat some chips. And like the movies, like the paranoid part where everything goes wrong, and you're like, oh god, who's outside the door? <laughs> like it's still wacky and goofy, but nowadays there's really dark undercurrent to it. Yeah, I guess if you're gonna take the monkeys in a dark direction, it's yeah. that, that's the way to do it. <laughs> the monkeys. But yeah, I, I would definitely, if you haven't seen Head, it's, oh my God, it, 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 this is a, it's good on its own right, but just as a curiosity, it's absolutely worth seeing. Yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to see that one. Yeah, <laughs> look that one up. Um, hmm, what else? I don't know if it's under the same category, but uh, what was it, two years ago, maybe three years ago, Straight Outta Compton, that movie came out about NWA. Oh, yeah. yeah. We're, and, we're going with more fiction, but we can definitely talk about that okay. because yeah. uh, we had a couple things on the list that we thought were good stories that had okay. some bio- biographical elements to them. Yeah. Uh, well, what did you think of Straight Outta Compton? I thought it was really good. I mean, uh, I was, of course, I'm a fan of, of the group, but um, I thought it was interesting to kind of really delve into more of who they really are, you know, because they all had their, um, they had these personas, right? You know, Ice Cube, you know, Dr. Dre, et cetera. But uh, we got to see, like, you, you know, Dre's, uh, what Dre went through, spoiler, you know, his <laughs> his brother dies, you know, and just what he went through. <laughs> yeah, spoiler is, yeah. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't spoiler any, for, you, for true history. Yeah, don't spoiler. anybody tell yeah. Dr. Dre. Yeah, don't, do not tell him. <laughs> easy E dies. Yeah, Easy E dies, you know. But yeah, I thought it was really well done. And uh, I think if you didn't like NWA, I think after that film, you probably would appreciate them, you know, more than just uh, their personification yeah. or persona. Yeah. I love them. And I kind of got into them at a time where, uh, so like I'm an old punk rock person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a time where things started like uh, into hardcore. I was like a hardcore kid. And then there was a time that people who were into that were definitely looking for other things that were just equally as expressive and hard. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people went the metal route. That was about the time where people were like, you know, Slayer and Metallica, you mm-hmm. know, some of the hardcore punks were like, I'm going in that direction. And then for a lot of people hearing, uh, you know, PE and NWA, it was like, holy shit, this is the punk rock of rap. You know, yeah. even though most of us had liked Rapper's Delight and, you know, old school hip hop, right. dancey stuff. Yeah. Um, I always thought there was a connection between punk rock and that type of hip hop. Yeah. Just, you know, they both came out of like an, an oppressive type of scenario. Yeah. It was incredible, yeah. you know, at the yeah. time when it came out. And I think the movie was, uh, I thought the acting was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed to be pretty straightforward, uh, getting, an, you know, everyone's experience out yeah. uh, and combining them. If you haven't seen the Defiant Ones documentary, Oh, you uh, should watch that. Yeah. It's a four-part documentary uh, HBO put out last year. Have you seen it? Ash? I haven't. It's really good. It parallels the relationship or the careers of Jimmy Iovine, the producer, mm-hmm. who was like us. You know, started out in the '70s in the studio, did Born to Run, Stevie Nicks, Tom Petty. He's a oh, huge wow. producer. Yeah. Uh, and he and Dre started Beats together, and then it, and Dr. Dre's career parallels that. So it tells again in that hmm. documentary the whole 
NWA story, and then it goes on to show both of their careers parallel, and then how they come together to do beats and work together in their relationship now. Wow, it really is cool. outstanding because you get to yeah. see, you get to see all this old footage, you know, all that early NWA shows and pre like when they're kind of just trying to do stuff at these right. local clubs and yeah. and they do touch on that in the movie too but mm-hmm. yeah. it's really good that's the Defiant cool. Ones the yeah. Defiant Ones texting yeah. myself yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tangent sorry <laughs> but yeah no that was that was a good did you like the, did you like the movie I didn't see it um, I think I think I might have mentioned this to you before but I think I have a real problem with music biofilms these days oh really okay yeah because there's too many, is that why? Or no, because after I watched Walk Hard, it ruined them for me. <laughs> oh no! Yeah. Why? Can you? I mean, I wanted to talk about Walk Hard's on my list. I think it's a great musical film. I love him. John C. Riley is oh, a yeah. out and out genius. Um, but why did it ruin it for you? I think because it's one of those spoofs that's so perfect. Like it nails every cliche of a music biofilm. Like the hard Scrabble origins, um, the the fact that they, they, they have that classic scene where like she's like he's like I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna walk hard, and oh. cuts into the studio working on the song. <laughs> where every film like that has, has the musician be like a real obvious moment of revelation. Yeah, uh, the scenes like where like I'm Elvis Presley, where where you meet a famous person, they over like they over announce themselves. Right. Every film does that. Like you watch it, and the beats of that film match so many other movies. Like like. I can't watch Ray or, oh, or I can't or Ring of Fire because that film it, it nails them both so perfectly to the point where I can't watch a biofilm now because like it it just makes me think of walk hard. Yeah. Like it's such a good spoof, like it actually killed the genre for wow. me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Put it to bed for you. It pretty yeah. Much, yeah, yeah. It's like it's hard for me now. Like I I, like, I watch it. I just think like you, I just know where the beats are coming now because like the comedy just nailed it so perfectly. And you don't want that to happen because you know there's gonna be other ones that come out that you want to see, but then in your mind you're like, walk hard. Do we cock story? It's done. But you know, I also felt that way about pop star. Oh and, my god. So pop star never stop stopping. Uh, I thought was outstanding. I saw it in the movies, and then I saw it uh, again not long after that with this, with my same friend. So we were like, we got to watch this again. Um, did you see it, Devin? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, you, it's so great. It's I mean, it's probably <laughs> maybe not as as excellent in depicting that classic. Uh, story, but it brings modern music in into it and technology and stuff like, uh, you know, what are we going to do with it? So basically, it's Andy Samberg and his team, his Lonely Island team, oh. uh, with his friends. Yeah, uh, they have a they're a, an early like a old school hip hop group, not really old that old school, but uh, who break up. They have success and then they break up and then Andy Samberg is Connor for real. They're le- they're mi- one of the main guy and yeah. he goes off on a solo career and it's you know he's not brilliant uh, and through that his solo career and his old career you know they wrote into it like so many amazing songs, performances, stage like just stage shows and then every peripheral character is great and then there's some famous folks that you know, appear as themselves in the movie to talk about Connor and his oh. former band. And, okay. Uh, it's a outstanding it's spoof. Really it great. really is. Like I was, I like Andy Samberg and I like what he and his team do a lot, but I did not expect, I mean, I probably cried laughing in, <laughs> a few okay. times. The songs, just the songs alone that they, that they came up with and then incorporating like i said the technology and stuff like oh, what yeah. are, we know where are we gonna what are we gonna do with this song for you know for maximum uh you know output we're gonna mm-hmm. put it in this new refrigerator <laughs> so when you open the door you know it plays the song and of course you know people think that's a great idea initially and then it's sort of like uh you know the jerk or something you oh, know that invention is like a great idea at first <laughs> oh, and then yeah. afterwards everyone is like get, get rid of this thing and, um yeah um, my favorite joke about that is like is that one of the ex bandmates keep talking about how he's like this lyrical genius, <laughs> and he finally cuts one of their songs, and all his fingers does he just lists crap in his song. His it's songs like are just lists. The stuff I like or something. He's like just like the, I think it's a video where he's walking through an alley. And it's like 
trash cans, buildings, cars, birds. <laughs> I like these things, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. Or the real side of a comic, the funniest scene in the movie to me is the scene where the, where the, the visuals cut out and they're fighting the giant bees. <laughs> and all you hear is just the voice of them screaming. And it's so great. It's really good, yeah. But on some of the musical spoofs, there's this one film, I had to bring it up because nobody seems to have watched it, but it's incredible. Have you guys seen Fear of a Black Cat? No. Oh, yeah. Uh-uh. Oh, thank you. Someone else has seen Fear of a Black Cat. <laughs> I love that. To me, it's like, maybe it's heresy. But basically, Fear of the Black Cat is like the is basically Spinal Tap. Is Spinal Tap was about like Public Enemy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a band N-W-H. Right? Yeah, N- yeah. Yeah, N-W-H. <laughs> but I think it's actually better than Spinal Tap because the, the comedy is just, there's so many incredible jokes in that movie. Yeah. That's like a... Uh, Earlier 90s, right? Early 90s, yeah. yeah I think uh, it was like Rusty Cunniff was the guy I think, I think he wrote and directed it. Not a lot of famous, not a lot of people that you know in that movie, but there's so many incredible jokes in it. Like, um, they're like at one point the group splits up and they form all these solo projects. Like the DJ starts a PM Dong group. <laughs> so <laughs> they cut like this music video. He, he does like a genie and he's like, it doesn't matter what color you are on the outside. Inside we're all the same, brown. <laughs> it's like he's rapping about poop. <laughs> It's pretty funny. It's like uh, they're they're sort of like the style boys in pop star. Like they're successful, but they're not they're not bril- a brilliant group. You know? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Enough to so that some of these things can take place. You know, mm-hmm. the single greatest joke I think I've ever seen in a musical spoof film was in that movie. It's just one of the, one of the one of the main guys in it. Like he, the, there's a interviewer who keeps re- interviewing him, and she's like, "You talk a lot about politics in your in your music." <laughs> But what exactly is the meaning behind the song Come and Pet the Pussy? And he's like, yo, pussy's an acronym. It, it, sim- it means political unrest stabilizes society, yes. <laughs> and I laugh so hard. Because <laughs> the way they sell that, like, he's so serious. <laughs> and the song itself is like a CNC Music Factory song. Yeah, they, they spoof CNC. I think it's their ice plant or, yeah. And uh, see, uh, the LL Cool J. Um, yeah. <laughs> They do, God. At one point, that they do Vanilla Ice, uh, Vanilla Sherbert. Oh, here there's a, there's a girl group in there called Parsley Sage Rosemary and Thyme, which is like the most stupid throwaway joke, but it kills me every time. Yeah, it just gets classic. Oh, uh, it's like, yeah, if you love 90s, like hip hop and R&B, like it's like essential viewing. It, it just nails that era so effortlessly. Yep. Yeah, that's funny. I, I had not thought about that movie in forever. Oh, to me, it's like to me, it's almost like that Weird Al movie UHF, where it's like now people have seen it, but people have seen it, like uh, it sticks with you. Oh, I've seen UHF. Oh God, it's glorious. <laughs> I love Weird Al though, so that's a whole that's a whole other thing. Oh yeah, that that could be almost a whole episode in its own right. The man is just brilliant on so many levels. Yeah, I think he's coming to town soon too. He is. Uh, he's doing like that 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 No Frills tour where it's just oh, him yeah. doing like B sides and like the un- like the unknown songs. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, and yeah. then uh, there's like a series of different level meet and greets or experiences I think you can have with him, <laughs> which I don't know. I don't know if I. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To be honest, like, most of the bands I see, like I, I don't I necessarily know if I want to meet them afterwards. Like I love their music, but there's always I think once you know enough artists, you're like they're probably a jerk. Yeah, I don't want someone to take that away from me because it's happened in my lifetime uh, where I've met someone and been like. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I like to keep a little mystery. I've bad uh, at music things. Sometimes I've definitely passed on on meeting someone uh, just because I didn't want to. Oh yeah, I've had that, but I would pass because I, I just didn't want to be that typical fan. You know what I mean? Like I love yeah. you, everything you do, <laughs> yeah. and blah blah. You know, and I like I wouldn't really know what to say. So yeah, I, I've, I've passed on it. Yeah. Well, I have a friend. Uh, it's a quick, a quick story, so I won't take up a whole lot of time, but. Um, uh, when I was living in New York, I, we were uh, talking to somebody who worked in a recording studio, a friend, uh, and his was another coworker in the recording studio uh, had, like, guess his family was in town. So, like, one of his, his younger brother and his brother's friends, and I guess Lou Reed was in the studio at the time. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh no! You know they were of course like ah, Lou Reed, yeah. and uh, they so they were like you can say hi, and they said hi, and the kid was like Lou Reed, and he started to talk to him, and Lou Reed I guess went, yeah yeah yeah, you're a really big fan, and I influenced your band a lot, and like finished the sentence for him, and I said, oh my god. <laughs> 
I'm an asshole. He yeah. was like, yeah, I'm a musician. And bleh. and then he just was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a really big fan. Well, My music mean, influenced your band. He should have turned to me like, I was going to say, hey, your music. But, yeah. <laughs> I know. And you probably don't even think of that until you get home. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I could have taken you down so many times. Yeah. Well, did like, you read the interview that he did with Lester Bangs? Oh, yeah. Oh, like every time I interview somebody, that, that's a nightmare that goes through my head. That this is going to turn into the Lester Bangs Lou Reed interview because that thing is just two people just sniping bitterly Brutal. at each other for like 10 pages. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Lou's the best, though. So I would never want to meet that man in this world over next. But yeah, he, he was the man. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I wouldn't want to subject no. myself to that. <laughs> and sometimes you just don't know what you're going to get. So it's sort of like. I'll pass. Uh, how about any... I had a couple things on my list that I didn't see. I have musical, fi- fictional musical films that I've refused to see because the Ooh. trailers annoyed me so much. All right. One. Once. Mm. Do you know that movie? <laughs> you know, I- I'll be honest with you. I've never seen it. I know a lot of people, they're usually girls, and I, I don't make a judgment on this, but usually it's like girls in their 20s who fucking love that movie. Like, like, like that, like, 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 it's almost like it's like a totem to them. Like, it's like a totemic film. Like, they love it. They rave about it. And I just don't, every time I heard the description of it, like, oh, it's two people. Like, they're just traveling around the city, they're playing each other music. Buskers. They're buskers. And like, I, they're, are they in Ireland? Are they somewhere? Uh, yeah, they're in Dublin. And I don't know if they're both Irish, but I don't know if one's visiting busker and one's a local dude yeah. on the street busker but somehow they come together and it was just that freaking stupid uh movie poster with the you know they got the guitar strapped on and they're wandering around the street i don't know it just and, and i think the music had some acclaim right i think at the time the movie came out which was maybe about 10 years ago yeah it seemed to have a little bit of like a Ooh, once, but uh, and maybe even got nominated uh had great critical review it was up there like averaging like in the high 90s percent um it just looked cheesy to me so i'm probably missing out once fans if anybody (laughs) is uh you know wants to talk to me about that tell me what i missed out on i'd love to know but did you see it i didn't i didn't yeah yeah. you didn't see it because of the same reason same reason absolutely same reason oh but but, uh, really quick side note uh, the director made another film recently called Sing Street, though, that came out about a year or two ago. Oh, yeah. That was really good. So that, that okay. I remember. It's basically about, like, this kid growing up in Ireland, because he starts his own punk band and, like, falls in love with a girl, tries to impress her. And it's just, it's a coming of age story that's just really, really well done and well made. So who knows? Maybe now, maybe, maybe think maybe, maybe once isn't that cheesy. But I don't know, but it, it's worth seeing. Yeah, I mean, I guess I don't, I don't want, and, and and I don't as a rule let a movie poster hold me back, because a lot of times the people it could be the wrong character in the movie. You know what I mean? That's true. Uh, I'll take it back to Valley Girl for me, which is one of my all time favorite movies. The cover on the cover of the video and a lot of the posters they have Randy, the main guy, uh, like hugging another girl. It's like like sort of a caricature drawing. Yeah. And it's not the main girl in the movie that he's in love with. So it's just a peripheral character. So that <laughs> as a young person that always told me like, don't go by the movie poster, but, uh, I did with once. And also the trailer just didn't do it for me. So I might be missing out on something, but it didn't rock my world. And also country strong, which Oof. I wasn't implored to see anyway. Like once I was like, you know, I, I, I had a little bit of internal crisis. You know, I was like, maybe this is really good. I'm probably missing out on something. I, you know, I love uh, Irish culture. I love to see, uh, you know, an on location filmed movie. I like a romance. It just looks cheesy. But everything about country strong was like, yeah, I don't care about Tim McGraw. Sorry if oh, anyone's yeah, a country no. fan. Gwyneth Paltrow gets on my every last nerve, even though she can pull off. You know, a role here or there, whatever. Yeah. Best when her head's in a box. But, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, in the words of Randy Jackson, that's a no for me, dog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no way, dog. Uh, <laughs> uh, sorry, dog. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I know I told you about my, my thing of a country music, but it just... It is not a genre that resonates with me in any way. Well, you're missing out because there's a lot of good country out there. And right now, uh, you know, there's like this huge Nashville resurgence where there's so many great contemporary uh, Americana artists, you know, doing stuff now. 
I'm going to tell you, you're missing out. Oh, I, and it's because I, I freely concede that I am missing out. Do I have out. to make you a playlist? You can make me a you playlist. Might, yeah, and you know what? To. I'll listen to it. All right. Thanks. It just, it just, I don't know. It just doesn't really connect with me. Yeah. And I guess if it doesn't, I don't know why Gwyneth Paltrow would be the, uh, you know, the, the link <laughs> <No>. <laughs> between you no, and no, that genre. No, she would not be a tipping yeah. point. Yeah, no, no the, no, no. the lady who thinks she should put, like, gemstones in your vagina is not going to sell me country music. That's not going to happen. Yeah. If you, yeah. Forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How could you forget about that? I, I just... I, it's, just, it's so bizarre. So I, I was like, it's got to be fake. It's got to be yeah. fake. In this woman's world, like, you know, yeah. You, you, she's probably one of those people that is like, she's really into like being uber thin. Uh, she probably is one of those people. You see the people that they just eat the sun. I've heard about yeah. those. <laughs> she, wow. Yeah. yeah. There's a documentary on it. I think it's called Eat the, eat sun. the sun. Yeah. <laughs> the people, that's how they get their nourishment. Mm. Yeah. I feel like it's a setup for like a Yakov Smirnoff line. <laughs> so yeah, Russia, sun eats you. <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, we're old. We think Yakov Smirnoff is fun. We know Yakov Smirnoff. These references today are like, woo! Um, we got pop star. We got people get keep it in the uh, the, the decade, at the twenty first yeah. centuries. <laughs> um, all right, what else? Well, you know what? Um, Kind of going back to the whole music bio thing, I think one thing that actually works for me is if you tell the life story of like a famous musician, but in a really fictionalized way. Like uh, with Todd Haynes at a Velvet Goldmine and I'm Not There. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know, where he made movies about glam rock and Dylan, but they weren't exactly about those people. They're about, about the myths and legends that are formed around those people. I thought that was a really clever way of like fictionalizing those films, that yeah. telling those stories. It allows the director some freedom, you know, to kind of keep their own uh, glamorous visions in there, uh, and also tell the story. And it it doesn't it make you focus as a watcher uh, on what is exactly true because you you know you have that sense that there's a wiggle room there and a yeah well, it's also, fun with it a little exactly it also has this fun like guessing game factor to it like the first time I watched Velvet Goldmine like it's kind of interesting watching that film being like okay so this character is clearly a surrogate for Bowie but then like Ewan McGregor like he's kind of Iggy Pop but he's also kind of Lou Reed so you kind of get that feeling where it's like you try to figure out what's real and what's not like what's based on a true story and what's just blatant fiction and just but it gets like the feel of like glam rock and the appeal of it so well Plus, the soundtrack to that film is freaking amazing. Yeah. Ugh. I think Grand Theft Parsons was a little bit like that, too. Did you see that? I have the no. Johnny Knoxville in the Grand, so the Grand Parsons story. Yeah. It is a true story, but I think there's... It's just one of those things where it, probably, it takes a... Maybe it takes a little... It, it gives a little push here and there to, you know... Those are the, you know, the stories that are have become myths or legendary about... the those kind of rock stars. Oh, of course. And it's actually pretty pretty decent. It's got the Robert Forrester's in it, so that's always a good thing. And Johnny Knoxville, you know, I think he actually has some acting chops, you know, he didn't it was a little over the top maybe. Uh, <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> and I think he can't help that, but it's pretty decent. I would I would recommend it, especially if Graham Parsons fans again. Uh well, older it's like, age reference <laughs> but I think I think that's the sort of story that's kind of like almost like doesn't really have a, a sell by date like he's just an interesting history. tragic history yeah. yeah actually you know a film that you were talking about earlier that I thought was kind of interesting to bring up would be like uh, was Frank I love Frank uh, that's a, that was a, a really a, really a gem of a movie yeah so if, if I, Devin I don't know if you've seen Frank no no or for anybody yeah. that hasn't seen Frank uh, it's a it was a book by John Ronson, who's awesome, um, where he t- he was in a band with this character, Frank, Frank Sidebottom, uh, in the late 80s, and he wrote a book about that experience. And Frank is a pr- pretty interesting character. Uh, he wore a giant okay, head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, okay. uh, you know, was a little bit controlling. He had a controlling personality, kind of everything was... So if you were in that, you were in Frank's world, mm-hmm. uh, and then you kind of watch that play out. Uh, so is it a comedy? What's with the mask and everything? Is uh, it just a like a gimmick type thing, or it's it is it, it, it I mean it's it's a comedy in the sense that it has a lot of intentionally funny scenes. Uh, 
it does. It's strongly implying the film that he, he's he's got mental problems. Yeah. Okay. That he's okay. not well. Yeah. Like you, if, if, and not to spoil it or anything, but when you get to, uh, there's a crucial scene where you get to see him it with his family and stuff, and that's when a lot of that starts to unravel, and you know that there's like a a deeper history there with his oh. mental faculties. Okay. Um. But it's wacky at times, and it's pretty psychological. You know, it's, you automatically are drawn to something like that, wondering, you know, mm-hmm. the, wondering those questions that we just asked. You know, what's with this gimmick? What's yeah. going on with this person? Uh, you know, me, like, into psychology. So it's like, you know, what's the what's the level of, uh, you know, in, inability in a person to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and why? Um, it's pretty excellent. It's yeah. good? Okay. Yeah, the mask, I was just like, I don't know about this film. That's, I, would only, I would see it on Netflix and I would just skip it. Yeah. I was like, eh. People just go, is that the guy with that weird head? Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know why that makes people not want to watch it. It seems like they have that reaction that yeah. Devin just said. Like, I don't know if I want to see that, but it's it's really, I would recommend it. Okay. And it's not, it's yeah. a fast movie. I think it's probably, oh, yeah. it feels like a 90 minute movie. Easy. Mm, okay. Well, yeah. maybe because they, they look at it and go, oh, that's like another indie quirk fest. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing about it too is it's one of the first films I saw that it integrated social media in a really interesting way, where like where the characters would like would tweet, for example, and you would see it on screen. So it kind of made what they were doing a part of like the actual visuals, and in a way that it actually totally worked. Yeah, you're kind of getting all different perspectives like yeah. that. You know what's in people's heads. Yeah, you know, I love seeing that. If you like, if you like it, and you might, John Ronson, uh, he did Men Who Stare at Goats. Oh, that's such oh, a good okay. book. Okay. Uh, and Frank and. I mean, it's st- he's got a li- he's got more books than movies, I think. But oh, okay. Yeah. The thing that's really interesting about Frank, too, is that it really kind of digs into kind of, the, I think, a, a, one of the more troubling aspects of musical fandom, which is idolizing kind of insane cult figures. You know, like Sid Barrett, for example, where or like Daniel Johnston, where you have these amazing songwriters who are also very broken and fragile people. And that kind of... Vic Chestnut. Yeah, yeah. and it fuels our interest in them. And so the question, of course, is if these people were sane, well-adjusted individuals, would we care? To the extent that we do. Hmm. Yeah, that's I interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm I it's like I I, mean, I just outed myself as a person who's interested <laughs> in uh, you know, the human <laughs> breakdown. Yeah. Uh but I also do appreciate that, you know, I find just as fascinating that a person can be well adjusted and happy. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean to me that's like, whoa, that's that's on a exact parallel. Like how did that happen for you? You know? Oh totally. Right. Uh in just you want to know what you know everyone's roots are and how the same kind of roots can manifest in two you know totally different routes for people. So oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think I think it adds to yeah. the mystique for sure. Uh, I just think just that rubbernecking aspect of it interests me. Like you see Ronson's character in that movie, like pushing Frank to be like more open, more public, to be more successful, and it just felt to me almost like an allegory for the way sometimes we take advantage. Like sometimes. The people that write about music, like like us, for example, or fans, like we kind of push that aspect out there into the world. Maybe make maybe, maybe people who are maybe not fit for that kind of high profile. Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson or Jeff Magnum from uh, Neutral Milk. Oh, Neutral Milk, yeah. Yeah, it's tricky because, or again, he, going back to Ian Curtis, you know, like part of his, a lot of his mystique was the fact that the guy was very clearly a tormented, like, not a well person. Yeah. Things took a fun turn. <laughs> this took a real fun Ooh. turn. <laughs> what about Almost Famous? That's a fun movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which goes back to Lester Bangs we talked about earlier. Yeah. It's uh, one of Philip Seymour Hoffman's funner uh, and yeah, shorter roles. Yeah, he did a fun Lester Bangs in that movie. I I think, I know and some people have issues with Cameron Crowe, but I think he, he knows how to structure a, a, a decent movie. Um, I liked the bands in that movie. Like mm-hmm. they, 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 it made a really nice feel for for the time for seventies yeah. rock. And I mean, I, I'm not a big Cameron Crowe person, but I, I will always defend. Uh, God, what's it called? Jerry Maguire? No, no. Uh, Fast Times Rich Man High. Fast oh, Times yeah. is great. I yeah. love that. Film. And almost famous. Remember, yeah. 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 To me, almost famous. Like, like I think it really narr- I think it really nailed. Like. 
yeah, there's a lot about it, but it's kind of ridiculous. So yes, it glorifies the Led Zeppelin by maybe a little too much. And yes, being a music writer is never as glamorous as the film will make it out to be ever. Yeah. <laughs> and groupies are probably are, are like Penny Royal Penny. They're, they're, and groupies are probably a more, little bit more tortured than what you see in the film. Yeah, she's the freshest face, like you know, loveliest. Mm, uh, yeah, yeah, no. You know, even though she's still a little bit sad inside, she can't to get the rock star like. She is the person that would be with the rock star while a much in reality while a much trashier groupie is like on the sideline. Yeah, in my opinion. Uh, But I do think it nails like I think the the adolescent joy of rock and roll, the appeal of it. Like 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 you have that character who's kind of like trapped in this home environment, is looking for any kind of escape. And I think that film nails how music can make you feel. It it can transport you. Oh, How yeah. do you feel like your whole life? And even like, uh, you know, when he's out on the road with them, he's going through all the pumps and grinds and the highs, too. You know, when there's a, you know, the band fights or the really exciting moment where they're like, we're going to be on Rolling Stone and <laughs> you know, we might die in this plane crash. Or, uh, you know, it's one of those moments, I think, in a person's life. And it's not the typical experience of someone experiencing, getting a taste of what's beyond uh, their high school years, of course. Uh, but I think it's one of those defining moments where someone is allowed to see, like, I can I can determine my own future. There is a whole lot out there that I'm, you know, I have not seen in these four walls. That, oh, absolutely. You know, and it gives you, it's, it's, it is a movie with hope. It's a hopeful movie. <laughs> it very, very much so. Yeah. Uh, also, Cameron Crowe, Say Anything. Oh, you're right. I keep forgetting yeah. about Say Anything. All right, yeah, no, you know what? Okay, three and films. I'll Vanilla Sky. I know you're a Vanilla Sky fan. Oh, Vanilla Sky. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. I, I, I don't know. I feel very conflicted about that movie. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> also, Singles, which is another movie Ooh, on my okay, list. Okay, that I'm not going to defend. So, Singles, where Almost Famous captures, uh, you know, it captures a time period, and they made it in a way that I think it's a movie that will, it could be timeless and still really carves out a nice look at the uh, slice of the look at that time. Singles does not do that. It I watched it recently. It does n- it does not stand up over time. It's, <laughs> it felt dated, honestly, at the time. Uh, and now it feels really dated. And I know it's taking a look at a particular time like all these are, but there is nothing in it I feel like makes it a timeless movie. Well, did you ever read the that book that came out a couple years ago called Every Lo- Everybody Loves Our Town? No. Where it was like an oral history of like grunge rock in the early 90s. Oh, it, no, the Seattle I scene. Cool. Really great book. It talked about singles a lot in there. And it's hilarious because they just tr- they just trashed that movie. <laughs> like, like all these people who, who went through it, like, you know, like the, the Mud Honey guys, Mara Love Bone people, where they're like, yeah, that, that just, that's a complete fantasy. Like that, that does not that does not jive at all with the reality of what it was like. Yeah, it's so cheesy, and the acting is just lazy and bad. And I think there's people in there that were like, maybe just like Campbell Scott. Like, I guess you're just popular at the time, so we'll put you in this. And <laughs> oh, Matt no. Dillon, right? Matt Dillon. Yeah, he was yeah. in there. Oh, yeah, it's rough. So Cameron, yeah, up and down, but he's had some. The ups have been pretty good. It's true. Yeah. Plus, you know, we have to admit, singles did have a pretty solid soundtrack. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire, whether you like Cameron Crowe, I honestly have to stand by that as a movie. It's not a bad movie. I don't like any... I mean, I... All right, I'm just going to say this out loud. I like Tom Cruise. I do not like... <laughs> okay. I like actor Tom Cruise. I do think that he is a... He really has talent. I don't like Scientology, Tom Cruise. However, I am mm. obsessed and fascinated by Scientology because that's a other portion of my life I'm fascinated with. Yeah. Things like Scientology, true crime, cults, uh, spiritual practices, etc. Just like you. Mm-hmm. And maybe you, Devin. I don't know. Yeah, we, we have a lot to find out about yeah. Devin. Where this is part of this podcast yeah, is I am uncovering Devin. It's a mystery of Devin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he may be in Scientology. If we just don't Just a know. little bit. Just one foot in, you know. Tom can act though he can he's and got he, some movies where he does a great job he does and he yeah. really brought that to life maybe it's a little hokey at times but you know you had me at hello and all that mm-hmm. but it's not it's got some structure to it as a you know the way it plays out you don't like it you know, I'll, I'll confess something <laughs> i'm actually with you i think tom cruise is a highly underrated actor I don't like a lot of his movies, yeah. but he's almost always the best thing in his movies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, he's again, also not aging at all. No. Like, we like, don't know what's going on. He, he's, he's, he's got the, deck, the Dick Clark devil deal. 
yeah. like but like Magnolia he's amazing in and uh-huh. he is oh he's dark you know that's oh, yeah. where you yeah. see like Tom Cruise has that ability to like make one uh, little facial move in a little bit of anger and behind it it releases so much fucking darkness yeah that you're yeah. like this guy I just bet he goes dark for real like oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. Uh, and also his little bit part in Tropic Thunder. Oh, so, so good, good in that. Was outstanding. So yeah, like I he's know. he's got it. I like Tom. Tom, come talk to us. We need to talk to Tom. <laughs> Tom, come on the you show. You need to get. You need to like stop sucking Miss Cabbage Dick. And forever <laughs> doesn't know that's the guy that runs Scientology. Oh man. Uh, sorry. <laughs> just, oh, oh, from the is, gauntlet yeah, now. Yeah, this is what I want. I want. I want. <laughs> come Tom. at us, bro. I want Tom out of away from Scientology. Yeah, we, we, want, you I back, want. we want you back, Tom. We want you back. We want you back. You still got you got chops. Yeah, a few good men. A he few was good men. That's amazing right. in that movie. Yeah, Cameron Crowe. We bought a zoo. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You know what it is about Tom Cruise is that he's like those British actors like Malcolm McDowell or Peter O'Toole, where uh, no matter how bad a film is in there, he's totally committed, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, yeah. he never phones it in. He does his own stunts. I know. He's, That's cool. Uh, yeah. You know, he has charm. Uh, I think that there's way, way more to him than uh, he that he still hasn't done. I wonder what he's insured. Like, his insurance rates must be fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> they must be like, so, Tom, what are you doing in this film shoot? Well, yeah, I'm going to climb up the tallest building in the world. I'm going to hang off the side of an airplane yeah. in flight. I might just jump, you know. there's a thing, <laughs> Something might be down there to catch me. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Crazy Heart. Did you see Crazy Heart with oh. uh, what's his name? Jeff. Uh, oh, Jeff. Uh, oh, uh, Jeff. Uh, the 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 cowboy. Cowboy. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. <laughs> we love you, Jeff Bridges. Uh, I like that. I'm just addressing this as like all these people are going to actually hear this podcast. <laughs> yeah, so. can't wait to see your next episode, yeah. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, we. Uh, yeah. we lo- I you- love your I love your sleep album, Jeff. <laughs> um, I don't think there's much to say about that one. It was it was all right. He's a fun dude. Actually, have you heard his, his like his sleep tape? Where he made an album of like of like sleep music, <laughs> no. like a tape you can listen to to fall asleep to, and it's weird. Is it good? It's good, but it's strange. Like it's like him, like like kind of new agey music, and Jeff Bridges is like he's doing like kind of his uh, kind of like his cowboyish Rooster Cogburn voice, <laughs> just like trying to talk you into slumber, and it's so weird. Does it work? Uh, it worked for me. Like, I, I yeah. I, Every it, night. <laughs> it knocked me out good. Wow. No, I had no idea that was even out there. So. No, yeah. it came out a couple years ago. Like, it was just like, I, I don't know if it was a goof or what, but like, it, it was, it's surprisingly good. And just, it's really weird. That sounds kind of incredible. Yeah. Yeah. You what see? else is on your list, Ashley? No, let me take a I look. I feel like I've been a real... Uh, Chatterbox today. Well, uh, this one's kind of a, a kind of an odd duck, but I saw it a few months <laughs> back and I really liked it. Was a uh, the Penelope Spheris uh, film, Dudes. Dudes, yeah. That's a really interesting cult classic. That's a great cult classic, and I think it's a cult classic that at one point in time, uh, for '80s people, like and into the '90s, people were like, "You got to see Dudes." Sort of like Roadside Prophets. Did you ever see that? I actually haven't. Okay, we can talk about that in a, in a minute or another <laughs> time. But uh, and now I think you don't. People don't talk about it as much, and we need them to talk about it. Are we gonna? Are we screening that in our director series or no? We we should. Okay. <laughs> if you want, if you want to, let's do it. I'm all for it. In our Gateway Drugs director series that we uh, do once a month at Film Bar in downtown Phoenix. That's right. More on that in a little while. <laughs> but I think dudes like first of all, dude. The main actor in dudes is John Cryer. Yeah. Can I can I interject one thing and then I'll let you talk. Please. It's one time when I actually didn't hate John Cryer. Yeah. It, it's literally yeah, this film. You actually like him. Like he's actually <laughs> almost. He's actually kind of believable as like a, a punk. He's such a horribly unlikable person. He's to so me. terrible. <laughs> like I, I tried to walk my. My my, my 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 adopted dad, who, who my biological dad, who I who I love dearly, my love I love both my dads. My biological dad loves watching Two and a Half Men. Sometimes I go to his house and have dinner. Like we'll, he'll have a bunch of keyed up on the DVR, and I'll watch it. To, I'll watch it along to be polite. And that show, oh, it's so horrible. It's so bad. Yeah. It's terrible. You just want to beat. You want to kill everybody on screen. But John Cryer is is, is like, oh, he's like the most nebbishly irritating <laughs> presence. He's the worst. But in that movie, dudes, he's really good. He is. 
Yeah. And it's just a fun, really, it's a weird movie because it starts off as like punks in New York hanging out. Here's Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. <laughs> now we're on the road. We're going to California. Oh, God, somebody got killed. And now it turns into like this weird Western movie where it's like two punks trying to get revenge on these group of rednecks. And you that, got Leaving from Fear. Who's really good. Like, yeah, it, like it turns, there's even like almost like a Terminator scene where they attack a police station. Yeah. Like, it's such a weird tonal film where it goes from like, Comedy, buddy film, romance, kind of a horror movie. But it all works. It all kind of hangs together. And some of it was filmed uh, in Arizona, around the Jerome area. Really? Yeah. All right, cool. Little known fact. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, have you ever seen it, I have not. Yeah. Uh-uh. You yeah. probably weren't even born when it I came t- out. Uh, but we don't know that either. <laughs> totally Devin could be Devin could be a 90-year-old Scientologist or a 26-year-old uh, horror movie-loving producer. <laughs> somewhere in between it also has a subplot that you can never do today where it's like um because you have the two you have two punks and one of them like has like a traumatic incident happens and he basically starts hallucinating that he's an indian and he starts like putting on like a mohawk and like war paint you can't do that now no no it's so it's hilariously offensive but it also works in the context of the movie because john cryer is turning himself into a cowboy so it makes kind of perverse logic that his his best friend turns into like a like a like his tonto, but it's still really weird. Right? Yeah, it's weird. Uh, you know, Penelope Spheris is great. Um, yeah, I highly recommend that. And <sighs> we can't forget all the Christopher Guest films, right? Oh yeah, we haven't touched those yet. Yeah, go for it. Well, of course, Spinal Tap, but uh, <laughs> the one that um, that I really liked was uh, A Mighty Wind. I really love that one. Mm. Um, well, because also it's such a rich topic for parody, like all those kind of earnest and old school folky groups. Yeah, like, there's so much you could do with that. Yeah, yeah, and that's a, just a. It's such a like Christopher Guest, like that group of actors are really comedians. Mm-hmm. Are you know prime examples of like like sketch. They're just sketch masters. You know, yeah. you can put them in so many different scenarios, mm-hmm. and they just become that character. Uh, and they're wickedly funny. Like they all possess like this insane comedic timing, yeah. mastery of timing, and oh yeah, uh, expression and yeah, they, right. And they play off each other so well. Yeah, you know, such good chemistry. And and I was saying before before we went on uh, the air here, uh, it's it was so cool that they're already you know musicians themselves. So when you know, so when they did the film, you know, I, right. I, I, saw, I saw I saw like something. I can't remember what it was, but. Uh, they uh the husband and wife um god i can't remember her name the the mother from home alone her oh. and then the blonde guy which he could have played her husband in that film too i can't remember it's been so long but i guess they're like a couple in real life where they used to be and i guess they were talking about when they were doing a lot of traveling that they would write the songs together for the film and stuff so oh, i wow. thought that was real yeah i had no idea you know how uh, how hands on they were yeah. you know they are almost yeah. like their own you know, troop. Yeah. yeah. So it was real cool. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, Final Tap. Of course. Brilliant. Yeah. You know, quotable forever. Of course. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. shit sandwich. Is, <laughs> still like yeah. one of the funniest punchlines ever. <laughs> <laughs> what are a subgenre of, of, of music film I really like is um, the, the record store subgenre. Like a high fidelity. High fidelity. Or Empire. Like the funniest thing is um, I used to work at Zia Records a few years ago. And at one point, when they're interviewing me, they're like, hey, what do you think of Empire Records? And I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't like it. And they're like, good. <laughs> you got the job. <laughs> they said anybody who likes Empire Records, they, they're not going to, they, they say, we don't want to hire those people because they think that's what it's going to be like to work at a record store. Oh, and it's not. <laughs> that is hilarious. But I, I, I love, like, High Fidelity is one of those films where it's like, a lot of it really resonates with me. The whole the whole idea of how being a snob and kind of just kind of overwhelm your reason and kind of drive a wedge between you and the people you care about. Yeah, I mean, that, that 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 really ring. There's a lot of ring of truth to that. Yeah, that's a good one. Plus, Tim Robbins is is as kind of the douchey yoga guy who steals your girl is. <laughs> it, it, it's such a perfect role for him. He's so good in that. Yeah, uh, and there were good people in that that you don't see like good like Ethan Embry. I thought he yeah. was a, he's. I think he's a great character actor. Yeah, you know, even at that time, it was like you're really setting yourself up for, even if you just stay consistent in like uh, you know don't get necessarily leading roles. But then I feel like we haven't really heard from him very much. Yeah, yeah, he's like a we have 
five or ten. You got ten. You got ten left. <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> you flashed a lot of times. Like my multiplication tables only go up so far, dude. This is my jazz we can't hands. music writers so yeah. we don't have to do math. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very important yeah. part of the job, not doing math. Like after two. I was flashes, just doing the BPM. You know, I was trying crying, to get the, yeah. yeah. You're like you're like a yeah EDM guy, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, Blues Brothers. Oh, oh god, god. Yes. how can you? Yeah, jeez. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, but that, that's one of the all-time just goofy, wonderful so classics. Good. Yeah, I, but I didn't mean to jump on your record. So, what are the what are really some good movies about record store clips? Well, I think those are kind of the, well, those are kind of the two big ones. I think those are, you know it's like you know if High Valley is like the good one, and Empire Records is just a, kind of this the the dumb goofy fantasy one. Yeah. I liked the, uh, she, she worked at the record store in Pretty in Pink. Oh, yeah, uh, you're and right. that was kind of fun. Like, I liked that little bit of, like, oh, it's the 80s, you know what I mean? Like, the punks are kind of mixing into the, you know, like, these preppy kids have to come in there, and there's, like, <laughs> oh, you know, listen yeah. to crazy punk rock music in a record store. Um, yeah, I know, I'm trying to rack, kind of racking my brain a little bit to think about just any good scenes from... With records, or I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure there's oh, yeah. some good clips where, where someone's had that experience of the record store clerk snob. Type yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Although I have to say, I worked. I was a Tower Records person. You were a Z Records person. I think I was a pretty, uh, I was a pretty nice record store clerk. I was too. I, 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 by the time <laughs> I was working there, I, I kind of got over being a snob. Yeah. Well, I remember one time I went to the, the, the Zia. I, I went to work at. I went there years ago, and I bought a used copy of a uh, Ziggy Stardust. And I remember bringing it up to the clerk, putting it down. And he looked at it. And he's like, Ugh. "Oh no!" <laughs> and I'm like, "Motherfucker, that's Ziggy Stardust. Are you kidding me?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah like, what was what his is, problem with that? I don't know. What was your damage, dude? It's like if I put down Tin Machine and you go that, like I'm like I understand, <laughs> I know exactly yeah. what you mean. I'm sorry. I feel like anymore if I bring up a Wham record, you know what I mean. You better just understand that for some reason that makes that music moves me. Um, well, yeah, that. I think you know, I think snobbery. I think when you first start like liking any kind of art form, I think it gets inevitable to a degree. Mm-hmm. But it's something that you eventually age out of it pretty quickly, and it, it, it always feels great when you do because it's like, yeah, like I love a lot of dumb pop music. Oh my gosh, I sure. love tons yeah. of it. Like I'll, I'll write essays about why I think Britney Spears' "Toxic" is like one of the best songs ever. <laughs> you know, I, I loved ABBA. You're, you're I pretty, love ABBA. Oh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I still and do. So much great yeah. stuff to there. But yeah, it's just I don't know. I, I do miss that job though. Like like working at Zia, like the, the pay was never great, but like you had to listen to great music all day, and you get to deal with like really unusual customers, and yeah, that 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 thrill of going, never knowing what you're gonna get on a daily basis with your interactions always made it interesting. Yeah, it is fun. You get to talk about you end up getting to talk about people to people about music, uh, and a lot of times you know when they are open to that, then you can exchange. You know things that you like, and you can, you oh, know, yeah. you can oh, yeah. learn. And and you know sometimes there are people that want, they want to know what do you, you know yeah. what else by this person is good, right? Or, so that's it's kind of fun. Well, you know we started the show talking about our favorites, so I feel like we should end the show talking about the worst of the worst. <sighs> so what for each of us is a film that's rooted in the music world that really grinds your gears. <laughs> Well, I guess I'd have to talk about one that I've seen. I went as far as to say things I didn't see because I thought they would grab my gears. Uh, do you have one in mind? Go ahead. And, I want to think on that for a second. Oh, Devin, do you got yeah. one? Not really. I, I can't think of one right now. Um, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> That's fair. Let me think. I have one like, right on the tip of my tongue. Remember Eddie and the Cruisers? Remember that? Oh, <laughs> oh my God! You got, that's a good one. I think that I thought maybe at the time when I was a kid or something, I might have been like, hmm, "What's this? Do you know that?" It was mm-hmm. like a, you know, a guy becomes successful in the rock and roll, and uh, then he can't deal with the fame, and then at the end he crashes the hot rod car. But you see a guy like watching a live. Like there's a wind- store window with a bunch of TVs in it, and you see a shadowy guy watching it, and you're like, maybe he didn't crash that car. Oh no! And it had some, <laughs> it had some popular, like it had a popular radio song, but p- p- pretty bad. Ooh, yeah. ooh, 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 I got it. All right, all right, and it's kind of a tie. It's kind of a tie. All right, the the two worst music films I ever saw was the uh, Woodstock film starring Dimitri Martin that came a couple years ago, 
And also that CBGB oh. film that came out a few years ago. Oh, yeah. Those, to me, yeah. embody everything that's bad about music films. Like, they're too self-aware. Like, they know, like, the characters know, this is history in the making, man, which is bullshit. Oh, God. Nobody yeah. in the real world ever thinks what they're doing is, like, is history-defining, epochal. Right. Nobody does They're that. trying to, those, back at that time, too, like, in sleazy New York, you know, people were trying to, like, get a gig, get a couple bucks to eat, or score dope, or whatever they were going to do. They weren't like, oh, yeah, those, uh... 20 yeah. groupies after you come out, you know, have you ever been to CBGBs? You know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. like a, it's a, you know, it was it's, it's a not fancy. Yeah. Right. And just those, those, those two movies, like they, they, they add this like patina of like gloss and like, that just doesn't fit the Eva era at all. That's why I couldn't watch that HBO show. Vinyl. Oh, vinyl. Oh, yeah. vinyl was It was like horrific. that in a, in a series Awful. form. Yeah. And it really crappy. Did you ever see Phantom of the Paradise? No, I haven't actually. Okay, and that's not on the bad list. That's on. Okay. The, this is real freaking right. fantastic. Uh, I can't think of a bad one, but I thought of a, another weird one that maybe not a lot of people have seen. But the Great Rock and Roll Swindle, that really weird Sex Pistols film. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just really bizarre. Like I, I think I kind of have a hate love for that one. <laughs> I just see that because in one way, in one way, it's just totally mm-hmm. just uh, Malcolm is just like, yeah, I'm I'm exploiting the Sex Pistols, you know, and he's kind of making a joke out of it. And uh, Johnny Rotten's not even in it. I think only uh, one of the Johns, uh, the guitarist, I think only he's actually in it. I think nobody else is in it. Yeah. yeah. It was Have a really... Seen it? Yeah. It's that it was really weird. Yeah. And I think... Because I, yeah. I, I think I saw that one. I think, I, I think didn't Julian Temple also like make a response to that? Like there was another documentary that actually had Leiden in it? I think he wrote it. Yeah. Oh. I I'm not I don't know if there's something else I'm not maybe it's a different of. version of it but no I, I saw the swindle and and remember because I remember watching it and being like you could kind of tell that it is a lot of it's revisionism yeah that it's it's Malcolm you know it, it, it's it's Malcolm trying to put his own stamp on it and try to say like oh I was the empresario and Sven behind all of it and you're like oh yeah I created you know punk rock it's like no dude like it was lightning in a bottle like he was he, he had some influence but the idea that he's the, the sole puppet master of the whole the whole thing is just it, it, it's a funny story but it's got no basis in reality yeah. yeah yeah you know what I did like I liked and I think I, maybe I liked the character better than the movies but. Uh, Russell Brand, when he did the Aldous Snow character in <laughs> Sarah Marshall and Get Him to the Greek, I think Sarah Marshall might have come first, and it was like you yeah. kind of got a taste of what this Aldous Snow is like. I think he's just such a smart, funny performer. Uh, th- I think the character probably could have used a better vehicle, like even then Get Him to the Greek was good, but, you know, it was... Uh, mediocre movie but mm-hmm. i liked the over the topness of that character just like kind of a sleazy stupid you know with a little bit of heart but yeah. uh it was a perfect irreverent yeah. yeah like african child yeah. like like the perfect the songs, send-up. yeah oh, he was yeah it was probably probably the best role he'll ever have yeah <laughs> and when you think about it too it's like, it's like one of those it's one of those jokes that maybe in 20 years won't resonate because can you imagine in 20 years that any rock star will be that relevant? Right. Right. You know, now we're kind of the age of like pop stars and rap now, where it's like it's hard to imagine like another British rocker having that kind of influence. Someone solo performer, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Wow. Well, it yeah. looks like we. It looks like we've uh, come come down to the end of another show. Yeah, we talked a lot, uh, but and we're gonna uh, like pop star never stop stopping. We're gonna <laughs> be talking next month about something, uh, and in the meantime, oh yes, in the meantime we have live events to plug. Woo! So first off, on Tuesday, February twenty seventh at eight o'clock, we'll be doing another trivia dome trivia night at Valley Bar. Welcome to the trivia dome. That's right. So come on out, win some prizes, and. Test your knowledge. At the Valley Bar in downtown Phoenix. And then on March 22nd, we'll be doing our second uh, Gateway Drug Film Screening. This month, we did uh, Hal Hartley's Trust. We had a great turnout, and it was a really fun night. Thanks for coming. So, yeah, thank you all. for If you're listening and you were there, thank you so much for being there. And next month, uh, our director, uh, courtesy of Amy Young, is Christoph Kislowski. Oh, yeah. I thought you picked that. Button. No, no, Kislowski was your was your selection. That, that was a really, really great pick. And we're gonna be doing uh, his film, The Double Life of Veronique, which, if you haven't seen it, is a gorgeously shot Polish film, incredible. So, if you are free on 
March 22nd, come on down the film bar at 7.30, and we'll be there. Yeah. Uh, Devin, you have anything you're doing that you want to tell us about? You're working on some other uh, podcasts for the Yab Yum folks, right? Uh, yeah, uh, which uh, Ashley is part of. We're doing the Confessions from the Nocturne Nebula. It's a <laughs> space serial. <laughs> So, yeah, that, that should be a lot of fun. Um, that'll be coming out as a podcast. It's a, a six-episode uh, type of series. And it'll be an, an a anthology. So then the next year, it'll be a whole different story, but in, this, in the same universe. So, uh, you know, um, stay tuned for that one. You know, that's going to be coming. I think, I think it's going to come out in June. That's Awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the goal. I feel right like a lot, of, yeah. a lot of my friends are involved with that. And... Uh, you know, it seems like it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah it's kind of very kind of noiry Casablanca kind of flavor. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And social media. Follow us on the social media. That's right. PFK, PHX, PFK, PHX on the Facebook and the Twitter. Uh, you guys are smart. You've been tweeting since you could hold a phone. So <laughs> You'll uh, find us. Yeah, find us. And uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right, until then. Bye. Peace. Peace and mock your own. Green.